Thanks for tuning in to the Landscaping Out on a Limb podcast. My name's Todd Trueblood, and it's May. This is the fun time of year for us. We've been through the April showers and a little bit of April snow. Now we can look forward to the May flowers. It's that time of year when the beauty of, of spring starts to come into being and we can get out into the yard and into the garden and do some things. Start planting uh, perennial flowers such as these here. This is a iris, gorgeous plant. Does really well in the early spring. Gives you a nice color early. But all these perennials can be planted now, even if it might still be a little bit cool in early May. Uh, and then also planted and taken care of all through the season. Some other plants that we like to use in spring are annual flowers. Uh, things like these supertunias, the calibercoa. Give you a little more color, a little more uh, texture, but they're a little more tender. They're not gonna take quite the uh, the cool weather that uh, we have in early May, especially in Wisconsin. Annual flowers such as these have a lot of color and they're great, gorgeous plants, but they're a little tender. Uh, we tend to plant these a little later in May and even into June. You probably want to start after Mother's Day and maybe even after Memorial Day. So obviously May is a great time of year to plant anything. Uh, planting flowers, planting annuals, planting perennials, it's a great time of year for that, but it's also equally great for planting trees and shrubs. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful uh, shrubs that uh, you could be looking at this time of year. And with June being the next month following us, roses are a great thing to be looking at. There's wonderful uh, advances in roses, especially in shrub roses, evergreen and flowering shrubs that uh, you might be looking at. Uh, and anything from a boxwood to a, a spirea, viburnum. There's a number of wonderful plants that, uh, that might be working well in your landscape. Also trees, whether you're looking for a shade tree, an ornamental tree, a lot of great plants that can be used. One of my personal favorites is the serviceberry, which I believe is almost a perfect tree. Got a great uh, spring flower, a great tasty, wonderful little berry comes on through the summer and then a great knockout fall color. So any of these could be something you could add to your landscape this year. Yeah, if you're looking for a shade tree, you might uh, consider an old standby like an oak or a maple, or you might think of something that's not used quite as often like a beech or a birch. May is another wonderful time of year when you might uh, put some pruners in your hand and get out there and take care of the trees that I'm having you plant. Uh, apple trees, fruit trees are in almost constant need of pruning. Uh, they, they tend to get a little bit thick and, and dense if you don't keep them thinned out. Uh, Tom and I go back and forth about some uh, ways that you do this uh, and the, the rules of thumb that we use. And I like to picture a uh, robin flying right through the middle of the tree and not touching any branches. Fruit trees like apples, pears, uh, cherry, things like that will get a little dense inside as they need to be thinned out. Even things like crab apples, which you don't really think of as a fruit tree, although it's a fruiting tree, it's an ornamental tree that can get very dense and thick in the middle, and that definitely is going to need pruned out and thinned out. Uh, in our next segment, Tom Jensen will be joining me from the Van Dye Company. We'll be talking about all things spring, annual flowers, perennial flowers, shade and ornamental trees, spring lawn care. Thanks for tuning in. So now we're here with Tom Jensen from the Van Dye Company. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, 
all things May and all things flowering. We'll start with uh, woody plants. Sounds good. Recently, uh, we just passed uh, Arbor Day, and part of the exercise that we did at Vandehuis was to, for you and Terry and I, the the tree geeks in the group, to uh, to talk about our favorite trees. So tell me about your favorite tree, Tom. Oh, the that was an easy one for me. Um, I like trees that have the old-fashioned classical forms of trees. So I selected European beech. It's not something you see a lot of, but there are great examples of it uh, all over the place, and you can see some beautiful trees. But it just holds that classic structure of an old tree. Uh, It looks best when the branches will uh, recurve down and touch the grass, and it just looks like something you'd see in Winnie the Pooh's forest. It gives you that look, great shade, and can live almost forever, 100 years or more. So it just becomes that friendly tree down the corner that looks like a tree and uh, gives you what you want. Now, what about American beech? Do you have any preference on that? There's a really nice one in the nursery right now that I've had my eye on (laughs) that I've been considering, but it takes up a little bit of space too. American beech only concern me because uh, for me, they need a few more specifics in soil. They really like acid soils. Um, They are actually native to this area. They're native in Wisconsin to along the uh, lake shore of Lake Michigan and down here in the valley. It's wherever the last glacial uh, plunge came down. For some reason, the soil is just right for beach. They just don't offer the varieties and the form isn't quite as nice. Um, European beach has a bark that's described to look like an elephant's leg. Yep. It, with all that character, uh, American beach just doesn't have it. Uh, it's the same shape, the same form, the same structure. It's just um, not quite up to its European cousin. Yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, it, European does have uh, quite a bit more uh, options with uh, leaf color and uh, the uh, uh, columnar varieties. Well, that is the other side of it. In an American beach, you go and you buy an American beach. That is it. Yep. Um, European beach has decided uh, it likes to change clothes a lot. And so you can have an, um, uh, a European beach that has purple leaves or leaves that are white, green, and pink. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have a European beach that weeps down upon itself or grows straight up like a column. So that, again, the, the, it just adds to the excitement of variety. There probably is a European beach that will fit every landscape uh, from a large classical estate right down to a small urban garden. For me, it was uh, the serviceberry uh, for a lot of reasons. I I'm, I'm, tend to be a, a native guy, and uh, I like the fact that serviceberry is native to Wisconsin. Uh, it's... It, for me, a almost perfect tree in that it's got a really, it's, it's got uh, nice attributes in all seasons, even in the winter, even though it's you know, basically just bare and doing nothing through the winter, but it's got even nice uh, uh, striated bark. Um, but the spring flowers and the summer berry and the fall color, I think are all, all excellent. And it's native, so it's going to handle anything Wisconsin throws at it. And I think that's a, that's a good choice for a lot of landscapes. Oh, I agree. There, there's nothing wrong with serviceberry, and some people may know it as amelanchor. It's right. one of those plants that has many, many different names. Juneberry? Yep. It's one of the reasons you use the botanical name on it, which yeah. is uh, amelanchor. It's a beautiful spring plant. It's one of the harbingers of spring here in Wisconsin. 
uh, blooming early. Uh, what I do like about it is that four season interest, and it's even better come around May or June when uh, the robins flood to it to eat all those fruits. Right. And you literally, if you walk by the tree, they don't move. They're right. just getting fat and ready to go. So it's great if you've got kids, if you catch that small window. My, so, my grandparents had a, a grove of them, and my grandmother would throw nets over them to keep the, the birds off so she, she could get to it because she made great service berry pie. So you've eaten them? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the equivalent of a blueberry. Exactly. And maybe even a little sweeter. That's yep. my touch It's a little smaller, it. too, but... Yeah, Usually. but they're great. But again, yeah. the robins, the day they're ripe, the tree will be stripped. Yep. Uh, so that's what you'd have to do. You'd have to throw one of those old bird nets or something yep. over the top of it. So we should also talk about uh, the herbaceous side of things and move away from the woodies a little bit. Uh, herbaceous meaning the annuals and perennials, the soft-stemmed plants that we'll be planting this time of year. Uh, so following the same theme, what's your favorite uh, annual or perennial? Oh, that's easy too. And it's a perennial. And it's one of the old-fashioned ones. You kind of notice that I always go back to old-fashioned things. Might be the age, yours. Yeah, it's what my grandfather taught me when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, because that's where all this horticulture stuff came from. He taught you that phrase, too, knee-high to a grasshopper. He probably did, and others we shouldn't use on on this. But um, I just can't do a spring without bleeding hearts. Right, I I agree with that. um, It's the old-fashioned bleeding heart that I'm talking about that has those beautiful strings of hearts um, starts blooming early, actually can bloom all season if it's sited correctly, which means in um, a moister soil away from the heat, they just don't like hot sun. But how can it not be spring without bleeding hearts blooming for three to four weeks? So that would be mine on a perennial. It's a really interesting flower, too. I mean, it's, a, it's unique. There's nothing else, like anything it. else like it. For me, it's uh, I go back to the native thing again. I uh, tend to be native, I guess. I don't know. I'm not native to Wisconsin, so I don't know what that's about, but, uh, I like, and so it's not necessarily one particular plant. I'm a big fan of, of native perennials, uh, things like, uh, purple cone flower, black eyed Susans, you know, the ones you'll see in, in, would see in prairies if we had a lot of prairie left. Uh, they tend to be more summer blooming though, versus they are. the spring season. They are, but uh, now's a good time to get them in the ground so that you have that flower uh, for the summer. Uh, but yeah, they'll they'll bloom more in the summer, and and but they handle again they handle our winters, they handle our summers, uh, and they're they're reliable. Have you ever seen prairie smoke at oh, yeah. the edge of? Now that's a classic spring native, in a prairie type condition. Yeah, uh, I I think it's a GM, which it would is. be its botanical name. But GM triflorum, I believe. There you go, and you get this kind of small flower. I mean, it's beautiful to see because any flower in uh, April, early May is what we need, but it's the seeds where it just looks, um, I'd like to describe it as a dandelion flower, but it's even better. And it blows back in the wind and it kind of looks like there's this cloud of smoke hanging over the plant. It is just stunning. Yeah. And if you, if it's in a windswept area, all the the flowers will sweep the same way, and it's a it's a really unique look. Yep. So, so that would that would be for me if you're talking a native, that right. might be on my list or the top ten list. At and again, least I go spring. back to them because they're 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 tough. They'll handle it, and and sometimes gardeners, me included, don't always get as much time in the garden as we'd like to have. So some things that can handle some uh, neglect or 
at least uh, distraction, uh, that's a great thing for... Well, driving. you know, when we do this professionally, it usually means we have the worst yard in the neighborhood right. because you don't have time to do it. That's an old That's saying, right. but it sure holds true. Yep, the cobbler's children have no shoes. Have no they, shoes. Yeah, the gardener's garden looks like. What about annuals for you? In other words, the things that you can buy and put in for temporary spring. I have been so uh, taken with uh, recent stuff with the uh, super tunias. Uh, there's so many different varieties and so many different cool things that they're doing with not only colors, but uh, different texture and striation to the, the flowers. They're just amazing. See, for spring, I'm old-fashioned once again. Yep, you are. I, I can't have a spring without pansies. Yeah. Um, old tried and true. Grandma planted them. Great-grandma planted them. But uh, I don't think people realize how cold-tolerant they are. Uh, pansies can take temperatures in the 20s. So uh, if you're still experiencing spring cold weather and you just have to have color, a pot of pansies can stay outside when it's going to be 26, 27 at night, or you can simply throw a cover over it. Sure. And there are a number of spring annuals that take temperatures into the 20s. Right. We're not talking about teens if it would happen to get that cold. So you could have color in pots starting mid-April some years, mid-May in other years. And just get a, a jump of three, four weeks on the season. Yeah. Our uh, Color 365 program at Vandehuis, the uh, uh, pansy is kind of a staple in that first that first planting. It if has it, to be. If, it's, if there's a spring planting or spring container that we're going to be doing, pansy is a good one because well, it's reliable. There's three plants that I look at if I would want to put a container together, a, a very early one. Pansy is one. The other is another tried and true, but Dusty Miller, mm -hmm. the plant with yep. the silver foliage. Yep. Some years that even overwinters here, so you know it's true. hardy. And you can put them out extremely early. That silver leaf is a great contrast against anything else. And a lot of people may not know that snapdragons can take quite a bit of cold, sure. again, down into the 20s. Yep. Now, you have to find a grower like Vandehuis that sells them and are ready to go already. Right. But, yeah, it, it, it allows you to put color where you see it. Uh, sometimes with spring color, we always think we're going to go walk in our yard and look at that beautiful tree in the back corner when it's in bloom. But as soon as it's cold or rainy, all we do is sit on the patio or look out the window and admire the tree from a distance. That's where a container of color starting in April or May placed on the porch, placed on a stoop, placed on a patio table. Uh, makes things just a little bit nicer until we really hit uh, summer. Yeah, and May is a great time for any of this planting. It, it, you do have to be a little bit careful as to timing. The pansies can handle a lot of things, but can't quite plant my supertunias yet. Um, no. But and uh, the perennials, uh, the perennials we've been talking about and any others that you like, uh, can be planted now, and May is a great time to do that. Well, and if you want to really want to go for the mix, um, Throw in some edible peas. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, use them as your trailer in a pot. They certainly can survive this weather. Uh, some lettuce can survive colder conditions. Right. I mean, we could even be talking mixing vegetables into this. It's a big thing right now. Foodscaping, as it's called. Exactly. Uh, adding adding uh, tomatoes and w whatever corn uh, right to, into the landscape rather than a set set aside garden plot. Well, and some of the woody plants we were talking about before that would be a spring bloomer will ultimately produce edible fruit. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you could take this edible idea and move it not just from the patio, uh, but into the entire landscape. 
uh, using woody plants and trees. Yeah, blueberry shrubs, raspberry shrubs. They have uh, a nice look to them. Then they yeah. come back with uh, some nice fruit for you as well. Again, if we were talking about uh, back to woodies and say what would be on your number 10 list of there's something called Cornelian cherry dogwood. Right, yeah. It is one of the first plants to bloom here in central Wisconsin, uh, but a beautiful yellow flower. Uh, it just makes a great statement when nothing else is happening. Yep. And lo and behold, it produces an abundance of fruits, probably June, July, or maybe July, August. Uh, look um, like a jujube bead, if uh, if you can remember those candies. Sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, they're very tart. I, can. I don't know about anybody else. Uh, we certainly can <laughs> as we're talking here, but they're very tart. But yeah. if you like jams and jellies on the tart side, not only are you getting now a plant with early color here, which is always important, you're getting something that's producing fruit, has beautiful bark, and has great fall color. So yeah. you're hitting all the bells and whistles with some of these spring plants. We should also talk about, since May is, is, is the spring month around uh, in our area, we should talk a little bit about uh, lawn care and what's happening in the lawns. Lawns are starting to green up. Uh, what's the best first step for your lawn? Well, I would say the first step is don't go out too early. Um, if it's cold and wet, stay off your lawn. Even if it's starting to green up and you see your neighbors out there working away, uh, in, enjoy another drink in the easy chair and just uh, give it another couple of weeks to dry out. But it's always good to get out and uh, even into May, if you haven't, rake out some of the old junk that has settled in. Mm -hmm. uh, heavy snow piles can cause the grass to be matted down. You might see something called snow mold, which is kind of a whitish coating on your lawn. Yep. That takes care of itself, but a light raking uh, would just be another way to handle it. Get rid of it quickly. So get the old debris off. That's number one. And certainly start hitting it with the first round of fertilizer for the year. Um, a fertilizer that isn't too high in nitrogen, um, but also has the chemicals in it that will stop your crabgrass. Uh, that's easily a late April to early May application. Uh, get it done as soon as you can. Yep. Yeah, and, and getting the debris off of the lawn is, is great. There's still going to be a, a lot of people that have maybe have pockets of leaves that are still left from last fall. Uh, I have a, a neighbor's tree that tends to fall late, so I never get those late leaves, and then I have little chunks of uh, old leaves rotting on the lawn come spring. I've got to get those off so that the air and sun can get to the lawn. I wouldn't want to show you my yard right now. <laughs> you would wonder, what the heck? We um, go back to the gardeners. Yeah, we go back to the gardener who never has time for it. But getting it cleaned up, thinking about aeration, uh, and uh, that's the thing I was going to add. Also think about it in aeration if you've never done it. Mm -hmm. Fall is probably better, but if you have a lawn that uh, gets a lot of traction, meaning you know every kid in the neighborhood runs over it yep. 20 times a day. You got four dogs. You got four dogs. You have parties out on it. Uh, even you cut it with a riding mower, so right. you get that compacting soil. Uh, an aeration that takes the plugs out. Yep. The the old fashioned way of walking on it with shoes with nails protruding out of the bottom, if you remember yeah, that, oh yeah. does nothing yep. for it, uh, yep. and just makes you look silly yeah, you know, as you're walking <laughs> through the yard. But Dad it, had those. Yeah, I, well, they were all the, the thing. Or I don't you think he ever used them, but he had them. Or you walked around your golf shoes when you cut yep. the grass. Really doesn't do what we're talking about. We're talking about a machine that'll take an inch, inch and a half plug out and bring that plug onto the surface. You leave those plugs in place, chop them up with your mower, 
let that debris settle back in, but you've now just made many spaces for water to get in easier, nutrients that you just paid money for from the bag of fertilizer to get down, and even to get all the stuff that's in the air, the nitrogen and the things into the plant. Very simple thing, and I like to see that done right when the grass is greening up. So again, it's a number one thing you can do in the spring. So to finish off, since we followed that theme, what's your favorite lawn? My favorite lawn. (laughs) Is there such a thing? There is such a thing. Actually, if I could, I would uh, live in England and have a bent grass lawn, which you would like see on a golf green. Yep. But one where let the weeds kind of sneak in and they have clover and flowers so that the lawn becomes part of the landscape, not the uh, Americans love this perfect green carpet. Yeah. Uh, sometimes if you look at English lawns, which are oftentimes bent grass, and a few flowers sneak into it or a few weeds that bloom, they really look sharp. And that goes back to your native idea that we're we're not trying to cultivate a lawn, in my book, um, that doesn't exist here or exists only on golf courses. We're trying to cultivate a lawn that Mother Nature can live with as well as we can. And there's things you can do even if you're not in, in in England where you can do a bent grass lawn, but if, uh, if you're in Wisconsin and you still have a bluegrass-based lawn, oh, you sure. can still do some things that reduce the uh, uh, number of chemicals you're putting on the lawn, uh, keep it nice and green and a decent texture, but maybe not uh, eradicating every... Yeah, again, I'm being old-fashioned here, that yeah. if I had the opportunity... Um, you can't help it, you're old. <laughs> it doesn't always happen this way. If beyond that, then I'm talking about bluegrass, yeah. which is the old standby. It, yep. You just can't beat a nice stand of bluegrass. But again, it is taking all the chemicals and all of the fertilizer to make that bluegrass look nice here. So you get a, a, a choice to be made on your lawn. So for me, if you go back over what we just talked about, it's a bluegrass, uh, a bluegrass or bent grass lawn with an absolutely spectacular old beach in the middle of it and at least bleeding hearts blooming in the spring. There you go. Sounds like a perfect May. That's my May right hey, there. Thanks for coming, Tom. Always a pleasure. And thank you for tuning in to the Going Out on a Limb podcast. See you next time.